Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. I am here with Dylan Carnival, our producer, along with co-host John Amayo, and I am Peter Engler, Adult Ministries Director at Browncroft Community Church. We are here with our great friend, Corey Proctor. Corey was a offensive lineman for the Dallas Cowboys and Miami Dolphins. He also uh, recently became a financial planner And for those of you from Browncroft, he was our Father's Day speaker about two years ago. So we are glad to have him back today. He is going to be discussing the topic, why should I care about having a budget? He'll share a little bit more why we picked this question for him and why he picked it. But John, let's get started about this question. Why do you think this question is so important? Well, I mean, this is obviously a big deal right now. I mean, people have lost their jobs. People are trying to figure out their finances in a fresh way. So I think this is very applicable to people's lives right now. But whether you're in the middle of a crisis or not, the fact is the Bible talks about money or Jesus talks about money more than any other topic. So that should tell us that it's probably a big deal to discuss, at least at some level. And uh, that's why I'm really excited to have Corey here with us today talking about it with us. Yeah, I remember my journey with money. When I graduated from college, I, I was making more money than I ever had before. I was adulting, but I knew that I wasn't like there was more money coming out than coming in. And I remember the first time I did a budget. I remember, you know, just the steps taking. So I just want to tell all of you as we engage Corey like to know and have healthy a healthy relationship with money it just lowers the anxiety in your life so speaking of relationships with money Corey, let's uh let's talk about you know just your journey towards being a financial planner budgeting you know i i just let's start there with kind of what are some of your big learnings in your history how you ended up where you are today Sure. I, you know, starting growing up, kind of a, kind of a, a, a different past, or I guess maybe some people can relate to it, but I, I came from a split marriage. I'm middle of three boys and, uh, and it was a tough, it was a tough place. It was about eight or nine years old when they split for us. Uh, but we bounced around between uh, parents a whole lot, we moved around a lot. But I, I remember my dad was a full-time veterinarian and worked around the clock. Um, and so he had his own private practice. Uh, majority of the time. So he'd get a call in the middle of the night and he's gone. Um, and so uh, he, he used to always comment. He goes, I never had a problem making money. It was keeping it. That was the issue. Mm. And, uh, and then my mom on the other side, she would have three different jobs. Um, so I got this massive work ethic from my parents in a huge way. But um, there was, there was elements financially that were a big portion was hidden from us. Uh, you know, for a lot of different reasons, that kind of generation was usually a lot more, uh, uh, I don't want to say secretive, but it was, it was like this. Basically, it's none of your business, right? Yeah. And, um, and so I, I, but I remember a couple of experiences growing up that weren't, weren't very good that, that caused me to go in a different direction. But I mean, I remember one time in, in middle school, my mom had remarried and, and I, I saw a check on her desk for three grand. And, you know, like a kid that age, I think I'm we're rich all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. And, uh, and and she smacked it out of my hand and said those exactly those words that I've done in the business. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
and I love my mom to death. Um, uh, but there, there were some, uh, moments, uh, that I, I don't want to necessarily share everything over, over this platform right now, but there were some moments that really caused me to not want to be that. Yeah. And, and I know where a lot of people, you know, we're usually, usually falling into the line of what our parents either did or a hard stance against it mm-hmm. in some form. And so <clears throat> I just became super conservative. And, and so I, I basically, I was, this, I was this guy that would never spend his money. And I always found an ex- a reason not to do anything with it. And so um, when I got to the NFL, you know, I'm making, I have a great income right now. I'm not spending jack. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, and Marco Rivera was one of my teammates at the time. He was nine years, three time pro bowler with the, with the Packers before he came to the Cowboys. And he was right next to me and he goes, uh, cause I'm making action money. And he goes, what are you, what are you doing with your money? And, uh, I'm like, well, I don't know. What are you talking about? I'm watching this thing stack up in the bank. I'm feeling pretty good about this. Mm. And, and he goes, he goes, well, you got to put it to work. You got to do something with it. And, and so he was the first person in a long line of people, even up till today, um, that have been either some sort of mentor or uh, a person who is basically challenging me in what I'm doing to expand my, my, my current role. And, and so he ended up introducing me to his financial advisor, who was a lady out of Wisconsin who ended up just killing it for me, doing a great job and not necessarily looking for performance, but for, uh, she was looking to implement a plan mm-hmm. and, and, and everybody's is different. But, um, the, I, I was a guy who super timid about doing that. And, uh, so I would, I would just poke you to death with questions. And, and so, but she was great with it. She would learn me up and, and about everything I was asking about and every decision that we made moving forward. Um, that I would poke the questions, you know, she took a lot of time to answer that. And so, um, so she did a great job with me. Thankfully, not everybody has that. Right. And so a lot of people get taken advantage of in a big way. And so anyways, that relationship with money came in a really healthy way for me, um, into this current role into our, or to, uh, you know, where we ended up being. So it's, it was, it was really good. Well, yeah, Corey, thanks for your, your vulnerability on that, as you describe kind of your experience growing up and, and even that journey for you. As I think about your story, as you're telling it there, like I'm thinking about you in that situation where Marco, right, is, is next to you going, like, what are you doing with your money? Was your first instinct to kind of go, it's none of your business? because that's what you were kind of brought up with? Or were you like, well, this guy has enough relationship with me that he can bring it up? What, what was your reaction in that moment? Well, uh, it, it was in the moment, I remember it was probably it was a combination of things, right? But one, yes, it was somebody I respected yeah. in a big way. Yeah. That um, wasn't just further down the road uh, in football, but further down the road financially in a bigger way than I was. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and, and honestly that one, this is where I think a lot of people struggle is, is, um, is one, uh, we absolutely, absolutely need a trusted voice, right? I'm not going to let just any voice speak into my life about that, but we have to, we have to really critique what voice is speaking into us about what category we're talking about. And you know, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not going to, I mean, you know, it's everywhere, but I'm not going to go down to the donut shop to the guy who's selling me donuts because I really like him and his donuts to tell me about my marriage. 
you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak to somebody who is, has my similar faith, maybe my pastor or a buddy who's been through some challenging times who has come out on the other side of that in a, in a lot bigger way. So same thing, my money is, I'm not going to ask, you know, my, my, uh, frankly, some of my family members, um, who have, have been poor stewards of their money. Um, I'm not going to ask them for financial advice. I'm going to go talk to somebody who's done it themselves, who's walked through it and come out on the other side a whole lot bigger. Uh, so uh, that's, that's who I'll go to to ask. And that's usually, typically, that's when you're going to find some of the best advice. Hmm. So I guess where I'm curious, uh, Christians have this weird relationship with money, and I think it'd be helpful for you where were you when you talked with Marco when it came in terms of faith with Jesus and money? And then as you've been on this process, how has Jesus kind of helped you see money differently? Because it sounds like you've been pretty much, you're more of a saver, you want a budget, but it seems like that Jesus kind of came in and there's probably some things that, man, you just it went on fire. And then there's other thoughts and attitudes that you said, Hey, I have to reevaluate this. So help us understand how Jesus kind of came in the mix of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it first started off in this, I didn't want it to leave mode, which a lot of people are actually in that, in that, uh, in that same category, right? I, I run into a lot of people that they store all their cash in their, in their savings account in the bank and they never do anything with it. And, um, and so I was in that kind of hoarding mode where I didn't want to spend it. I love seeing the numbers stack up, which everybody does, but it was through my own, uh, my own efforts. And, and so that was great. <laughs> uh, but it was, that was just kind of what was cool. That was it. That's where it ended. And uh, where, when I got into a relationship with Jesus was when all of a sudden, and this is not just money, but this, this is every facet of my life, but all of a sudden everything started having a very specific purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, and, and th- this is a really big issue, especially even our own current climate right now is we don't, we don't clearly define what our purpose is. And we start falling victim to everything that's possibly being distracted. And, and so the same thing happens with your money. When you're, when you don't give a purpose to your dollar, that dollar runs away mm-hmm. and, or it gets taken by somebody, which everybody has a handout. And, and so um, I, I got into Jesus and there was a lot of powerful moments for me. I, I remember one of my most favorite messages was, uh, the parable of the talent. And I mean, that was, and it was only a few years ago that I heard that for the first time. And I remember hearing the parable of the talents. Well, look, you guys know, we take things very literally, especially this guy. And, <laughs> and so, um, you said the parable of the talents, so you're just talking about the gifts that I've been given, right? And well, no, the parable of the talents is directly about money, specifically about money. A talent in, um, in the messianic time frame, a talent was a lifetime of wages. It was about 30, about like 30, 35 years of wages, about what the expected life, what the life expectancy was about that. So you're talking about a lifetime's worth of wages. So Jesus gives one guy one talent, another guy, um, uh, two or three talents and the other guy five. And so you guys, you imagine this, one of these guys, according to their ability, so their ability to steward that money. So I'm not going to give, you know, one guy who has poor or, or has little experience about money, a, a giant stack or five lifetimes worth of money to manage. I'm going to give him a little bit to start 
but it's still significant and see what he does with it. Well, what did you see? You saw the guys with um, the, the three and the five talents of money. They went to the market and they went and traded and understood the craft and they doubled their money for Jesus when he came back. The guy with one single talent hoarded it, basically kept it in his bank account. And, and, and when Jesus came back, he was like, I knew you were just God or I knew you were just, uh, just savior. And, and I was, you know, I basically fear controlled, uh, where he was going. And so, um, it's, what's funny about this is this is the only time in the Bible where, uh, it says, well done, my good and faithful servant is when he's talking to the two guys who went and doubled the money. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I remember when that hit me, my mind exploded because I'm like, holy cow. And so when you break, you start breaking that down a little bit, you see what are the actions that are needed to go do that? Well, you have to understand that class or understand the behaviors of that money to ever get to a point where you're going to double it or make more, or make more of it. Mm. And, and so, you know, cause a lot of people, there's the two sides of it. There's the giving and then the stewardship mentality. A lot of people might give, they come in to their faith. There are a lot of Christians are like, man, I'm tithing, but I'm not getting anything out of it. Well, that's because you're not managing your money. Um, and, I, and I'll give you a perfect example. I just took over uh, a one account of a person uh, who's retired and uh, they had no idea. So I come in and I do a full interview. Where else, where's all your financial assessment? And I go, where's, where's all your assets? And what do you owe? Where's your debts? What are your current spending and, and current income? And all these different things. And they had zero idea about any of it. Mm. No idea. Mm. And and uh, I remember the first meeting, I'm digging through all these statements from like 2003. And, and the next meeting, um, I said, okay, I got some things. I got about partial picture figured out. I, you got X amount in debt. And they immediately, I got, remember they had like 17, it wasn't much. It was like $1,700 in, in credit card debt. And, and they go, or $1,200. And they go, well, it's $1,700. So I spent another $500 on the thing. And, and, I, and I'm like, I had to check myself for a second. I go, <laughs> hold on. Um, I go, we haven't, uh, and I go, I, I didn't want to offend or anything. So I was like, let's pump the brakes on that. Hmm. Like nothing that's needed right now. There's no more spending on anything until you figure out what your income is and what your monthly outflow is. Yeah. And, and, and she <laughs> kind of looked at me all weird and, and I'm like, I, I, this is your money. You can do what you want. Okay. But, um, we don't know, and this is a believer. So she she gave, she loved to give, and I'm like, um, I'm like, you, if you don't know where you're coming from, you have zero power you're giving out. Mm. Uh, and so the same thing is like our giving has to be from a place of proper stewardship and and, and revelation on our own heart uh, before we can ever pass that same power on to somebody else. Mm. Uh, and, and so that's this is where other people who have really done well, who a lot of people I run in who don't have a budget at all. You know, they're making half a million dollars, five hundred grand, but then it's sick. Yeah. And and so this is where it, it's been really powerful to me to come in this relationship with Jesus is is like listen, well, the closer you get with him, the more you get in his word and understand the nuances and the context of those stories, you really start seeing the behaviors really empower somebody to have a, a, a huge stance uh, in their current life, mm-hmm. um, especially in the bank account. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, you're describing, I think, what a lot of people go through when, when we're talking about money. And as you're describing it, 
I'm even feeling certain emotions come up within me as you're talking, right? Like there's there's some anxiety underneath there. There's some there's some kind of like, you know, anger at some points or just, you know, different things start to come up even as you're starting to talk about this concept. So what have you found when it comes to emotions and money? Do you, do you find like there's more emotions involved with it than you anticipated? Like you're having this conversation with this lady who's coming in, doesn't have a clear understanding of her her financial situation at all, and you're trying to to kind of coach coach her through, right? But do you do you have to play the role of counselor a lot? Because I imagine people spend often for for reasons beyond just oh that that seems like a nice thing i feel like emotion is often attached to it is that is that what you experience or or what absolutely yeah no and you guys you guys know this listen emotion is powerful it, mm-hmm. it's attached to everything we do mm-hmm. um and, and so one of the hardest places to bring someone out of is when they're stuck in an emotional rut or stuck in an emotional cement and and so the same thing Money problem is is a, a symptom of a bigger issue, and and this is this is why money is so important, especially during this pandemic right now. This is why, like the like the administration was talking about, we can't let uh, the solution be bigger than the problem. Well, when you, you you talk about something like this, I come and this is important to me because I come from a split family, um, but we got uh, close to forty percent uh, or fifty percent divorce rate in our nation. 37% of that is from first-time marriages. Reoccurring marriages uh, bring that uh, number up to 50. Subsequent marriages go up. The higher like, the likelihood of, of getting another divorce goes up significantly if you've done it one time already. All the way up to a fourth marriage has an over 73% chance of ending in divorce. Hmm. All right. So, <clears throat> well, the reason I bring that up is the number one-sided reason in divorce is money. Hmm. And, and this is across the board. So this is okay, practically breaking this down, it's a side effect of a bigger issue, right? There's lots of different confounding elements that, that bring, uh, and, and it really, uh, money problems is, is a poverty issue, right? This is, and I'm not talking about just poverty financially, but I'm talking about poverty of the mind. Mm-hmm. And so um, what happens is, is the, we let these emotions dictate what's going on in our life, right? And so um, I, I love, Jesus in this specifically going into like our small groups with this, because um, a lot of times this happened at our church. We had a big giving season. Uh, I remember last year, um, they're expanding the building, right? I think if you've been in church long enough, everybody's been through this experience. (laughs) There's a lot of squirming in the seats going on. Um, But we're in my small group and we're talking about giving for the building expansion um, above the tide. And um, one of the guys in the group, he said, man, I came away just like stirred up in faith. And he goes, I'm the one who's always made the money. My wife's the one who's always spent the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and he goes, she, but she always managed the finances. And he goes, um, he was telling us this story in small group. And he goes, man, I, I came home. I'm like, I was all fired up. I wanted to give to the building. I wanted to do more. And I came home and my wife just put a big wall up to me and said, no, she goes, we don't have the money. And he goes, I got really ticked off what are you talking about? What have you done with my money? I've, I've made all this money. What'd you do spending your money? Well, and so all of a sudden they're caught in this conflict and, 
And man, and it, and I, it probably looked weird at the time because I'm there smiling, listening to tell, listening to him tell me the story, and because I've gone through the same stuff with my wife, and um, and so, and he was like, I just, he goes, where are you, you know, I get so ticked off, like, what are you supposed to do with that? And and I go, oh man, this is so cool. This is exactly what God does in the situation. All right, what are you, what are you supposed to do? What what does he do when he's trying to make your territory bigger as he forces you into an area uh, you're not comfortable with. And, and this is what I share. This is what a lot of people are into. And, and we've gone through this ourselves is a lot of, a lot of times one person takes it or one a situation kind of turns into a catalyst where it forces you into this place that uh, uh, brings you out of the norm of your marriage or that situation. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and what I was sharing with the guy is I was like, listen, uh, this is, it's abrasive on per, on purpose, right? This is the salt of the earth. This is why this salt is abrasive. So it can smooth over and empower your guys' this role. And you come out of this. So you go, you go forced into the situation where you have to learn about your finances and you have to take an active partnership with your wife in that. All of a sudden you have a deeper understanding of why she just told you no. Hmm. Right. You see where she's coming from now. Not, not that it's, you're spending my money, but I see exactly why what's going on with our budget. And why we don't have the power to give right now. Well, we're not spending correctly. We're not stewarding correctly. Well, the, the closer you guys get in this, what starts happening, the cl- closer you guys become in God's word with each other. And then all of a sudden you both steward on, on, on the right path together. Uh, and you start making the, uh, uh, decisions according to that. And so all of a sudden, like, man, we're in a good place. And we have a big excess or discretionary uh, income for the month. And now we can give. Hmm. So now we can go, your stewardship empowers your giving ability and the giving empowers for stewardship. So it's, just, it's, it's, it's not just hocus pocus, right? I believe in God and he's going to make things appear because I've, I've prayed for it and, and I'm giving. He does some miraculous things that we can't explain. But if you, if you partner that with a, a proper understanding of what your budget is, then your emotions start falling uh, uh, falling to your needs and, yeah. and not dictating your actions moving forward. And that's a huge deal. I know that was a long one. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that was really good. And I, I love how you sum that up there at the end. You know, your emotions, you know, follow your need, like your needs, not your, they're not dictating what, what you should be doing for you. But a lot of us, I feel like, get it caught up where our emotions are actually dictating you know, what we're doing. And that can, that can happen with, it's not just finances, it's everything. Right. And I, I heard, I heard someone very much smarter than myself say emotions are, uh, (laughs) emotions are, are great servants, but they make horrible masters. So, so like to pay attention to our emotions, yeah. To pay attention to emotions is good and, and right and worthy, but but to actually let them do all the deciding for us can be where it gets us into trouble. Uh, they're great to have as gauges and as servants, but not as masters. Anyway. Well, and John, something <clears throat> our senior pastor, I might butcher it, Rob Catalani, he's preached on money. <clears throat> and one of my favorite things that he says is your money doesn't follow your heart. Your heart follows your money. And so it's based on the verse of, um, you know, whatever 
man, I am like a terrible pastor. I can't remember Bible. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So there you go. There Look you at go. that. Yeah. So, I just busted one out there. There, there we, we go. go. So, and I think that that's so powerful because I think sometimes we get the idea that our feelings have to be in the right place, but there's a lot of times it's not just with money. Like I have to choose to love my wife. I have to choose to be faithful with my job. I have to choose to budget. And, and that's, I mean, I don't know, push back. Is that kind of what you're saying and things like that? Yeah. Well, a lot of times when I take people through a budget, I don't even do a budget at first. I, I, I go look practically you guys, anybody who's listening to this, you want to get something like one small step that will, uh, profoundly influence your decision-making is on the first of every month, put it on your calendar is your money day. And all you're going to do is look back at the previous month. You're going to, you're going to add up how much money you made and look at all your accounts, all your sign-in. All right. Look how much money came in the door and add up everything that went out. That's it. You do that every single month and just keep a note, a note tally. You can write it in a little book. You can put it in an Excel sheet, whatever you want. Right. See what your average expense is, see what you're spending, and see if that's in the green or that's in the red every month. And that's all you got to do, right? And what happens when you do that, I, and the purpose of that is I want people to get in their accounts to start swimming. Mm-hmm. I, don't care, I don't care about administering a budget right now. I want you to start swimming and have an idea of what's going on with your money. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the same, so what happens is, as you guys know this, if I don't have a full understanding I'm just going to about how I feel. And, and just like you're talking about it, that's a poor master to go with because if I go with how I feel, I get a completely distorted understanding of, of, of what's really going on. And then when I make that choice, that choice ends up has, having zero return on my effort. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, the effort that I'm pouring into what I feel is, is wrong or what's right or where it needs to go, I'm spinning my wheels in one place, not going anywhere. Well, it's just, it's, you know, the same people, people start a business, the same thing in business, 80% of businesses fail within the first four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the number one reason is because their, their finances are not in order. And the majority of those businesses think they're profitable when they're not. Mm. Right. Uh, and so what is, it, what is it? Well, okay, I'm all about going after your passion, going after your purpose. That's fantastic. But you have to understand all the elements that surround it. Uh, and if you don't, I, and, and, and money is such a huge piece of that because, Listen, money is not the important thing, but it touches every important thing. Mm. Yeah. So uh, if, if you don't have an understanding of that, if it, money touches your marriage, and this is greatly affecting uh, your ability to survive every month, guess what's going to happen? What happened with this pandemic when we have close to 40% of our nation that doesn't have, uh, that lives paycheck to paycheck and doesn't have $500 in the bank for an emergency? And then you tell them they can't work. Mm. Right. You see a rise in, in divorces. You see a rise in theft, in crimes, in, in abuse cases. You see a, a problems arise all over the place. This is why we can't let the solution be bigger than the problem. Or can't, we can't let the, uh, what is it? We can't let the solution be bigger than the problem, meaning we can't lock people up long enough where all of a sudden all these problems. So when you talk about um, the divide that we came into, it was like, hey, we just had a stack of wood soaked with gas. We just needed a, a, a light to put on it. And, and so all of a sudden, you have a lot of frustration, pent-up emotion in this nation 
from this pandemic and not being able to go out and exercise and, 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 and exercise uh, your work, your money-making capabilities, all these things, um, and everything uh, starts blowing up. Now, but that's the thing, is this explosion is, is a lot more layers underneath it because uh, I love talking with people about being financially uh, 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 bulletproof. It is because if you've built yourself to have very practical things, I love Dave Ramsey like a lot of people do. Like, like if I have three to six months expenses in my bank account, emergency cash at all times, I'm going to be okay if we run into an issue with income or a big emergency. Um, and so what happens is when you're prepared, most people aren't prepared at all for these situations. So when a pandemic hits, I'm living paycheck to paycheck and I don't have money. So now I'm freaking out. I have no foundation to fall on. So I'm screaming at my wife or screaming at my family or anybody else or my boss because he can't keep me on. And, um, and because I'm not prepared. Well, when you anticipate bad times, you prepare for those bad times. Opportunities show up that now you can see. Mm. So we have a situation where, okay, exactly, exactly this. I got three to six months stash in my uh, emergency account, my savings account at all times. And so if you're spending five grand a month, that's three to six months will be 15 to 30 grand ready, right? If you have more, what happened in this winter season during this pandemic um, that was a big financial opportunity for a lot of people? Well, a third of the market went away, right? We had over a 33% drop in the S&P 500. We had major companies, Boeing, the whole airline industry, the whole gig industry, all their prices were at an all-time high. They just tanked in a massive way. So what happens? If I have excess on top of my emergency funds, now I have an opportunity to do something. The average one-year return off a bear market down on the S&P 500 is 41%. Hmm. Yeah, uh, and that's so just the highest. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, you're describing something that's like you're planning ahead and being really thoughtful about how you're utilizing your finances, right? So, like, I, I imagine there's some people who are listening and going, "Amen, that's awesome, that's amazing." And then there's some people who are like, who are like, "Oh my goodness, that sounds like a dream," but. I cannot even imagine even getting anywhere near that. Like well, I can't imagine my bank account having three to six months of, you know. Well, and I want to push on to what John's saying, push back to you, Corey. I mean, I wish that I, you know, became an offensive lineman for the NFL. Like it's like, Corey, you know, it's easy for you to say that you had a couple contracts and stuff like it's almost like you started ahead. But the truth is we know athletes and people that come into a lot of money that are terrible with money so to john's point like help us understand because i think sometimes we get stuck thinking over consistent amounts of money versus like so i mean i'm just going to be real like so the person that makes forty thousand dollars a year for 40 years thinks that man i can't save money and we know millionaires that do that but we also know people that make like $50 million over their career and they got nothing to show for it. So how do you kind of respond to the planning and overwhelm? And people are kind of saying, Corey, well, of course you're able to do this. You, you had this career. Like, how do you respond to that critique? I, I, I look, it doesn't matter what, 
walk of life, and you know, there's problems in every part of life. Mm. Um, like a, a millionaire has, uh, they just have, they have problems. They're just different types of problems. Or, you know, I, I'd say I, I'd rather have those type of problems just like anybody else. But, you know, the guy who's rich, who everybody knows who's, who's wealthy, or at least feels like they're wealthy. And I can promise you, anybody who's played professional sports, everybody around them feels like they're a millionaire for their entire life. Mm. And, and it's not the case for everybody. Um, but you know, a wealthy person now all of a sudden they have to guard against the relationships of people just trying to get into their life for just for the money. Right. And because there's, there's a whole lot of uh, parasites out there in people and a lot of people, a lot of hands, people find out you have money, a lot more hands come into the bucket and want to take it. Mm. And this is, this is why athletes is a, as a, a huge example of this or any sort of lottery winner. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have somebody who has had a, a great amount of wealth that just comes in a very short amount of time. And, uh, but you look at what, what's historically, what has been the issue with a lot of ones. Somebody hit the lottery, which is, you know, chances are slim to none, none to hit that. Well, they go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Well, why do they go bankrupt? There's a lot, I get a lot of people that are like, well, it's great. You know, you need to work with some of these athletes because they don't know what to do with the money. I go, well, you, do you know what you're doing with your money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All those athletes, yeah, they don't not, know anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I go, this is not an athlete issue. This is a society yeah. issue. This is a hard issue. This is, right. I, I, I think our school systems can do better in this. Um, I think people don't understand the business of their own life. They don't know what an asset and a liability is. They don't know what brings money in, what takes money out. Um, and so, you know, we get caught up in the emotion, this same thing. We get caught up and like, I want to own a home. It's fantastic. Well, all right, technically a home is labeled an asset, but you know, it's a liability. It costs a lot of money to own a home, right? Um, so it's okay to rent for a long time and build up a different asset base mm. than building a home first. Um, I know a lot of people that rent, uh, but they buy homes so they can own or finance so they can rent that out and, and just make the income off of that. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, like a, a house they own that they're renting out is paying for the rent that they're using on the apartment. Okay. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's not a bad place. Um, I forget where we were going. What was the original well, question? No, no, no. I think that that's helpful. And just because I, I anticipate some of our listeners thinking that just having a good start with money means that you're going to be financially successful. Um, and I think what you're kind of pointing at is it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's about how you're stewarding and resourcing it. Um, I don't even know who said this, but more money, more problems. That's a whole I other thing. That was Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, but let's may or may not have had that CD. Anyway, uh, you know. But let's, uh, you know, we just get real here. Let's do this because um, I think we've hit the problem really well. Um, you gave the first step towards budgeting, which is this: um, check your bank account, you know, and and do that every month. What might be steps two, three, and four that you'd walk people through, you know, and think about the 24-year-old that's just out of college, just has a job. How would you walk with them on creating a budget, taking steps towards financial freedom? What would that look like? The second one is, is, is writing goals down, defining what you're after. So many people have no idea what they're going after, and this is why businesses fail too. Like, what is your specific purpose? What is, um, uh, uh, why am I blanking on the term? But what what is your purpose statement for this? Right? What's your value add? 
How are you good for me? And, and so in the same thing, what's going to be good in my life for my money? So um, if I define what I'm going after, I can more clearly create steps to go attack it. And so the same thing is, okay, when we, when we set a money day, every, every day we start diving into our accounts, what happens is you start, um, all right, I'm adding these things up. When I'm adding to these things up, I'm wondering what these expenses are. All right. So I'm going down my list. I'm like, what's this from Zappos Bay? You know, hey, what is this? You know? And, and we start figuring these things out. Well, one, excuse me. Uh, you, one, you start realizing where these phantom charges are. Okay, you can you can get rid of those real fast. Two, you start under, understanding your own behavior, mm. and you're like, and you start crossing things. And you're like, man, I didn't realize I was spending that. And so, automatically, a lot of times you start going towards what if I can get rid of to whittle that number down. So you're like, man, I haven't watched Netflix. I know this isn't the case because of the pandemic. You're like, I haven't watched Netflix in months. I don't need that anymore. Hmm. I, I haven't, shoot, I haven't been, you know, this gym has me on a $10 repeat. I've been there in, in two years, right? Hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to ask that. And I, you start chipping at things a little, way, a little things away and, and you start having a greater appreciation. Well, what the number one expense past uh, a person's mortgage on average is they're is eating out. Hmm. And so same thing happens. Like, holy cow, we spent, as a family, we spent close to a thousand dollars eating out this last month. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Well, next time you're eating out, you're like, all right, well, maybe I don't need that appetizer. I'll just stick with the meal, you know, or I'll just have water and I won't get all these other things around. It. And so it starts affecting the decision making. So, okay, that becomes a more powerful place. But when you make a choice, the second step is, all right, I want to get to this amount of income. This is where we are in 2019. This is where our expenses were. This is what, on average, what we spent, what we made. Um, and this is my debt, whatever it is, whatever your current picture looks like, you have to list out a goal for every one of those pieces. All right. Hmm. So, uh, and so like, all right, my income was 50,000. I want to see if I can increase that to 55. Hmm. Let's make it realistic, right? That's 10%. That's a significant gain. Uh, if, if you're talking about anything, well, all right, if I got debt and the typical um, APR, uh, average percentage rate on, a, on, a, on a, uh, any sort of credit card is above 19%. Well, shoot, man, these people are taking my money faster than I can bring it in. Yeah. So that means I need, to, I need to point my guns. This is a lot of my job is just point, telling people where to point their guns. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to point my guns at this. and I'm not even going to start saving much. I'm going to get this little cushion in the bank, but I'm going to hammer this to death because this is eating at me way, way more than anything that ever is going to come in the door. Wow. And so I, I, now I've, I've driven that goal. I've gotten, I've executed that goal. And so now I'm like, all right, I can go towards retirement. I'm increasing my income. I'm keeping my expenses at a manageable rate. And I'm, I want my goal is I want to put 10% to tithe, 10% to retirement, 5% to my kid's college, whatever it is. And you start divvying these things out. And, and why it's a percentage because, you know, people fluctuate unless they have a fixed salary. Um, a lot of people are in the gig economy. And so, you know, we have extra different sources of income. And so you can start identifying exactly what you're going to go after. And so when you identify those goals, I forget what the percentage rate, but I think people, you know, uh, people who write down their goals, um, I think what was it was on average make three times more than people who don't. Mm. Yeah, it makes and, sense. And, 
Yeah. I mean, it's so if you can write that down and you put it, same thing, right? If, if, uh, where there is no vision, my people will perish. Mm. And so you write it on the tablet so the runner can see, so everybody can see your goals in mind. And that way accountability comes from all over the place. And, and now I can go attack this thing. And, and that's a clear step is write down what you want. Mm. Mm. Man, that's so good. That's so good. And I think you just shared a ton of wisdom with us, Corey. I'm like, uh, letting that all sink in and and really appreciate the practical steps that that you gave there especially you know that last section there as you're talking through the practical steps i think people can latch on to those even if it's simply just writing down what your goals are that is super practical does not take a ton of time but could impact your future significantly just by doing little things like that. I think sometimes we get overwhelmed, especially when we're talking about money, that it's gonna take like hours and hours and you know, it can just shut us down mentally. But you just did a great job of giving us some practical things there. So I appreciate that. Um, the way Peter and I always end this fantastic podcast of ours, uh, you know, been rated fantastic by the National Podcasters Association. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> we, we love the NPA. That's right. NPA, absolutely. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, you and me are the president. Yeah, right? it's just yeah, just, just under. It's rated fantastic. Our goal is to get to uh, outlandishly amazing. That's our goal, and we're going to get there someday. We wrote that down. But uh, anyway, we, we always end the podcast by saying, hey, what would Jesus have to say about this topic? So like I, like I kind of hinted at in the beginning, there's a lot of different places we could go. You've already highlighted one of the things that Jesus said about this, but, but uh, we'll give a go at it, and then you can have the final word. Sound good? Sure. Yeah, cool. Um, so before I get into what Jesus says, uh, you all are listening, and... Corey is on screen with a shirt that says Meat Church. Yes. And um, it's Texas Barbecue. <laughs> and uh, the thing it has me thinking about is he, he, this guy, if you follow him on Instagram, he like, he probably does better briskets than like 80% of the restaurants, at least it looks like. So um, he's really. I am now officially going to follow him on Instagram. He, That's he, it. <laughs> I'm just saying he practices what he preaches. Um, you know, so I, I think what I've been thinking about um, is when Jesus, um, when Paul talks about money, he talks about Jesus, who who in this verse in 2 Corinthians that he became poor for us. And, and that's not saying the literal that you need to become poor. What it's saying is that Jesus had resources and abilities and he gave that for us hmm. and that is our model for giving money that is our model for stewarding it it's not what we can do for ourselves and what makes christianity unique and following jesus is jesus has such a bigger vision for our money than we do mm -hmm. that being generous that that you can live in financial freedom live with knowing that you're going to have worry but but by what you believe and value that that enters into your practices, you know, I just think that that's a model. And, you know, it's interesting, probably about 10 years ago as a pastor, I felt like people didn't want to talk with me about money. I've had more money conversations in the last five mm -hmm. years 
than I ever thought I would. And I was just surprised. And I think that people are ready for a refreshed perspective. And I think that Jesus brings that not just because of what he teaches about money, but the way that he lived out the gospel and generosity. Hmm, that's really good. It's really good. And I think, um, as I think about this, one of the you know traditional things that Jesus says about money stands out to me, just keeps on coming back into my head as I think about this. Um, he always, you, you were talking about a vision, Corey, and I think Jesus presents the vision for us of what money is for. Ultimately, it's not even about this life. It's about storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven, as he describes it, where moth doesn't eat away at things, where rust doesn't rust out things, where thieves don't kill in, come in and destroy. Um, Jesus is pointing us to a bigger picture of what money can do for us. And, and it can actually leverage something, and, and we don't even understand this, on an eternal scale that we can leverage our, our current gifts and resources to impact eternity. And that's where Jesus says, that's, that's really what's worth investing in, is things that are eternal. Um, not that uh, you know the things that we have are bad. He, he's not writing it off all as that, but he's saying, think about the eternal in, in how you're investing. Store up for yourselves treasures there and things that are going to last and not just the here and now, which is where a lot of us are focused, just the here and now. So, but Corey, what do you think? How, how would you say Jesus would talk about this? Oh, I, I think it's, it's honestly piggybacking on, on what you just said. It, you guys know Jesus changes your heart. Mm. Um, what I, what I love, what I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thankful for in my life is I wouldn't change necessarily the, uh, the steps and how I came into faith. Um, I, I wish I had a relationship with God a whole lot earlier that was as powerful as it is today. But um, I'm glad I came in the steps that I did because um, I kind of have this, we talked, Peter and I talked about this, kind of have this like crash way that I speak about my faith, which is like almost like a big risk. Churches are bringing me in to talk. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, man, like I swear he's on the verge of like cussing on stage, but he's not. And so, <laughs> but, but um, I, I, what's been so cool is, is like, you know, everybody is unique in their own different story. And I, and I was actually, I was just reading out of Corinthians, just the different uh, pieces of the body and how important it is. Um, and, and so, you know, just to say, you know, the eye, you know, the eye is not the most important piece here. Like we can't get everything out of the eye because what is the ear? What is the hand and the foot and all these things? They all play important roles in the body. And, and it, that, that being said, I think Jesus, why he talks about money so much, it's such a huge hang in our heart, but it's just a tool in the body. Mm. And, um, and we start having those realizations or these kind of revelatory moments about that he weaves his way into all of it and and what's been what i've seen personally for my for my walk has been so cool is since coming into the industry i've had more conversations go from faith to finance and finance to faith than i could ever count mm. and and I, and I laugh because even one of the people that helped uh, sponsor me for my securities license to get, to get going on this, um, was you never talk about religion and politics. Mm. 
And, and I'm, I laugh because I'm like, I let God have a seat at the table. Mm. And if you give him room, he's going to walk right into this conversation and you just got to have the ability to see it. We've got to have the spiritual life to see it. And when you have that massive power comes out of this thing. And, and, and I'll tell you, I have a, a client of mine who's a good friend for a long time and he was sharing, he goes, uh, we're talking about his portfolio first and, and what was going on with that. And he goes, uh, he goes, well, I'm getting married next month. And I'm like, why did I not know this? Right. And so we, so we go into this conversation and, and I'm like, man, are you doing the premarital counseling at all? And he, and, uh, and he goes, uh, he goes, no. And you can tell he's kind of new into this, to his faith. But I share him the story of Ruth and the power uh, of that story and how she, she was a great, great grandmother of David. And why is that? He's talking about the guy who slayed Goliath, not just slayed Goliath, but put his kingdom on the north side of Jerusalem. Why is that, why is that important? Because Jerusalem twice in its history had been conquered, both from the north side. And so David basically took his kingship and put his house in the place where they conquered from and said, hey, if you're going to come at my people, you got to come through me first. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just like, what I love about this is, is all of these tools start weaving themselves together. When you incorporate Jesus into your heart, he starts giving you way more purpose and power in every facet of that, of, of your relationship, including finance, especially finance. And when you're a guy, this is what I love. I got guys in my church that are monsters, monsters in wealth. All right. They've just, they've killed it in life. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, much, much more than I ever have ever had playing football. And what's so cool is to see a guy who is that wealthy on fire for Jesus. Mm. That guy's going to co- carry way more impact across the land than anybody else. And I'm like, that is some, one of the coolest things to see. Yeah. Wow, Corey, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram. Uh, are you on Facebook and Twitter? Or, yeah, you are on Twitter. Oh, yeah. he is a great LinkedIn follow. He's got a tweet every right. morning. So, and it's Proctor ER, correct? I always mess it up. Yeah. So P-R-O-C-T-E-R. We'll make sure that we tag him in our post so you can follow him. Uh, Corey, thanks for joining us. As we always say, uh, share this post using hashtag WGW podcast. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can search us for Why God Why podcast, but also WGW podcast. Write a review and um, we will see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us on the Why God Why podcast with Corey Proctor. <laughs>